Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. All right, so welcome back to the Ice Coffee yeah, Hour. It's millennial money. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it is. Wrong, wrong show. We're wrong podcast. Welcome back. Jeremy, you are back. I'm back to Vegas. How was Arizona? Oh, it was beautiful. It was, it was beautiful. beautiful. That snake yeah. was terrifying. How was that? <laughs> that was a, yeah, it was a diamondback, man. Those are deadly snakes. Oh, my God. Jeez. I know. Incredible. So and how's Arizona? It why was do you, beautiful. Why do you go there? Just for family? Yeah, we got a house there, and uh, it's nice to just kind of get out of town, do some different stuff, and, uh, you know, Graham visited us for yeah. a very short amount of time. Oh, you did? I did. Yeah. It was crazy to get there. <laughs> it was so crazy it's, to get there. So it's supposed to be a 45-minute flight, and so... <laughs> You get there and you realize the airport looks like they're doing like a 90% off sale with the amount of people that are there. It's like I'm waiting outside of a Supreme store, like trying to get into the airplane because so many people had bought a ticket to go to air. Well, no, seriously, the entire airport was packed. Wow. Uh, so uh, because there's delays, mm-hmm. the the airline trying to get in, like we didn't board until like three hours later. Then when we landed, they were so busy at the other airport that we had to wait uh, on the tarmac for like another hour. So this whole thing that should have taken 45 minutes, probably like an hour and a half with travel time, why not? Wow. Uh, ended up taking like five hours to get there. So he would have That's been nuts. faster if he had drove. He would, have, he would have arrived to our house much yeah. quicker. If and, he would have drove, it would have been about four, four and a half yeah, hours. Yeah, and I was asking the uh, the lady at the front um, because I wanted to like bump up the seat to be able to board faster. And, um, and she was saying that there's a pilot shortage. Pilot shortage? Yeah, they don't, they literally don't have enough pilots. And so I was just like, imagine, what? imagine they're like, and the guy who's flying you today, <laughs> Forgot he to just got through training. It should be <laughs> yeah. okay. Well, and then that's the other thing. I, I, I've never heard of this before. So I looked it up online and apparently what a lot of airlines are doing, they're now uh, lowering the requirements to be a pilot. Hmm. And then they're also paying more. So that's fun. because you got to think like imagine spending 50 grand for pilot school spending years like yeah. training for this to then be offered a job for 35 grand. I mean it just doesn't make sense. So they don't have enough pilots right now. A lot of a lot of them also retired. What's the salary of a pilot? 100k? No. No, 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 no. It it was like 40, 50,000. It's not, it's not as much as you would think and now they're bumping right? it up. Yeah. Now with over the yeah, yeah, 60 for commercial to 80. airline pilots? Yeah, it's no not kidding. as much as you would think. And you would expect that, you know, a hundred grand or something like that. For, to, Hold on. To have I don't believe so, you. To, Why, we got to yeah, look this up. Control. Well, Wait, while yeah. you look what? this up, we also got to thank our sponsor, FTX US, down below in the description, where if you sign up using our link, you will get free crypto on every trade over $10. But we'll talk about them more a little bit later on. Yes. And so, uh, yeah, okay. Graham, yeah. what... What did you think about Arizona? Let, let's hear that once you well, finally got there. Well, let's see how much pilots oh, get paid okay. first. So yeah. there's, a, there's a range, obviously, but I'm seeing yeah. between on salary.com, mm-hmm. 110 to 180. 
Wow. So okay. 180 if you're super experienced. Wow. That's yeah. A, no, I figured they made in the in the look mid. At, look for a new pilot. Oh, yeah. sure. New yeah. Pilot. yeah. <laughs> yeah. New because pilot. this could be heavily skewed by the guy who's been doing it for like 30 years. Well, yeah. career builder says 40 to 130. Yeah. So that's I mean, a that much sounds, bigger. That sounds more in line with what yeah. I was, ex- you know. Yeah, I thought expecting. maybe the 80 to 120 would be around, right? But it's interesting because now they're changing the law. So if you've been Uber driving for more than three months, you can you can fly a plane. It's it's amazing. So yeah. if you're looking, if you out graduate there, high school too. It's uh, just a GED. <laughs> yeah. I feel like yeah. every fly kid has plane. wanted to be a pilot at some point or another. Yeah, I know I wanted to. I wanted I know, to go to Embry Riddle in was it Arizona? Where oh, is it at? Embry Riddle. I don't know. Oh, anyway, I wanted familiar. to go to pilot school and yeah. Have you guys ever played Grand Theft Auto before? Of course, no. dude. The most fun thing to do is flying. <laughs> yes, is it not? Sure it's it like is. getting the plane and you fly or the helicopter or whatever. Like that was always. I've the seen most... the game Flight Simulator. That's oh, like yeah. pretty much like flying a plane. So if you could do that, you may as well just fly a plane. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Graham's like, I used to play Grand Theft Auto. I would just collect all the money. <laughs> <laughs> just keep it safe in the bank. Just protect oh, it. Gosh. Just protect it. Yeah. Don't do any crimes. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I, I just drive safely. Along. I make sure to pay my taxes always and uh, just accumulate. I'm in that. Accumulation phase, <laughs> dude. That was the best part of Grand Theft Auto when you'd play it safe and you'd like drive. Yeah, like yeah. that's when you know you got so bored with yeah. playing it for so many hours. It's like so I'm true. gonna play safe now. Red light. Oh, I gotta stop. It's like, so yeah. true. Oh, We've God. all done it. Yeah. But wow. anyway, Arizona was really nice. I was okay. I was really impressed. I I was telling Jamie like, why are you living in Arizona? It's like the same thing as Vegas. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of thought because I've driven through parts of Arizona and it reminded me kind of of Vegas. And I arrived to. Uh, to your area, and it's so nice. When you get there, it's like green. It's a weird mix between Los Angeles and Las Vegas. Mm. The cactuses were incredible. Oh, yeah. Uh, the greenery was so nice. It was a really established city. And um, I love the buildings. The architecture was, to me, like a 10 out of 10. The business is really cool. It's really nice. No. And the house you showed me was the Toll Brothers home. And Jeremy, like, toured me through this house. was like, how much do you think it is? And to me, this, the this house, house he bought or then no, house? no, another house. And uh, I said, well, you know, probably five million bucks because it's like you walk in and there's like this courtyard and it overlooks the entire desert. It was so nice with the infinity pool. This thing was how much? Two point six? I think three point three. But 3. that was 3. with furniture included, which the furniture was at least probably two hundred thousand. Wow. Yeah. I mean, Incredible. it was really nice. Like this would have been if this were here. I would I would buy it. That's yeah. cool. Even so right are you now, thinking about buying it, Jeremy? Uh, no, I don't buy okay. it. Down at those low price no. brackets is too low for you me. Buy, <laughs> much buy tattooed chef at the low <laughs> <Yeah>. price points. <laughs> Honest tattooed chef, baby. That's it. But it. Uh, Wait a minute. So yeah. that house that you bought in Arizona, how, when did you buy it? That was a 20, let me see, 2020. 2020, okay. Yeah, and it closed at the end of 2020. So it was like right at the peak of the pandemic. Yeah, it was when I bought that one. Which yep. So you got a deal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I bought both of these right in the the crunch time of the pandemic. Wait, like, how much did you buy the Arizona house for? Uh, the Arizona one was that closed for like six hundred, and wow. now it's worth about a mill. What? Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. it's a mill now. Yeah, yeah, holy incredible. Crap. Yeah, but you know, I'd love to say I'm I'm good, but that's just luck. You know, <laughs> it's yeah. like I never ante- obviously you anticipate real estate's going to increase over time, but like that sort of appreciation, forty so, percent, like. Speaking of real estate, do you guys think this year we're going to keep going up or do you think we're going to go down? Well, can I say this? You got an offer on your house, didn't you? Did you ever get it in writing or no? No, I'm sure I could, but it's one of those things where it's, you know, if I'm serious about it, they'll go through the process. Get it in writing. Yeah. So, uh, so if we could recap here, you bought a, you bought a house. So I bought a rental house. Um, yeah, to rent out, uh, for 1.3 and, uh, I got a loan on it. I put down 20%. At a 2.6% seven-year arm. And 
the same day that I closed, we got an offer from another broker. Uh, my real estate agent called me and he said, hey, someone's willing to buy it for 1.6, which is nuts. I didn't, I haven't even owned it for a day yet. And someone's offering me 300 K over. First of all, I'm suspicious because the house was listed. Yeah. And, uh, how long was it listed for on the market when you bought it? Uh, like two days. Listed on the market for two days, Mm -hmm. but still 300,000 and Andre bought it at one three and you, were you competing with another offer at that time or no? Yes, I was. And then someone pays 300000 more. I told Andre, just get that in writing and take it. 300 grand. Yeah, yeah but it's I, incredible. I don't want to yeah. flip it, though. I want it as a rental property. Think about... Th- I don't know. It isn't, really comes, isn't money made when you buy houses well, not yeah, really Yeah, I was going to say, it really comes down to if you have a better place for that 300 right, right. now. That's my opinion. If you had like, you're like, oh, I got to get this 300 in Bitcoin or something. Listen, yeah, okay. the fact that I got that loan at 2.6% means I'm already up on that money. Yeah. You're not getting another loan for a million dollars at 2.6 right mm-hmm. now. It's just but, not possible. But you should have gotten the 30-year fixed. Because those True. are now at like 4.5%. True, but They've when I was lot, when I was going through it, it was at 3.5% which to me 2.6% is a pretty substantial difference especially it's if it's a, a rental. It's a write-off, Andre. Like on a on a rental property, you should have locked in for 30 years. What 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 did you just say 3. Point something? 3.5. Now now they're 4.4 4 and it's a write-off. Sure. In your tax bracket, any write-off against rental. Well, I'm still going to get write-offs. I know, but they, but it's an extra write-off. Like I guarantee you're not spending all the money that you're making. So this is an extra write-off. You may as well have just taken that, a higher. Isn't that, isn't that a case of like I'm going to spend more money just to save more money? Like I don't no, want to spend it in, a dollar to but save you're ten lock, cents. But you're locking it in for thirty years. So the issue becomes after seven years, where's the market? I feel like after market- seven years, our rates will go back down because if you look at the trend line for interest rates, they always trend towards zero. And if they go back up, you're paying a lot of money. True, but and, at that the point, risk, the, the risk is like the difference between two point something and three and a half. I mean, true. it's like no difference to lock it in for thirty. I true. mean, it's very little. But at my price, you know, my income bracket, I feel like even if rates do go up substantially, it's still going to be affordable. Number one and number two, if it doesn't, I could still sell it at that point anyway, probably for more than I bought it. So I don't think it's that big of a difference. And right now, getting cheap money. A lot of assumptions, Andre. (laughs) Rates are going to be lower and I could sell it for more than I bought it for. Hmm. Uh, Well, people promised me the real estate dream. (laughs) Those real estate guys. So, you know. No, but seriously. So so this year, you guys think real estate is going to go up or down? uh, Well, I think, you know, based upon the trend, it looks it looks pretty darn good. Yeah, the interesting good. part is, I think, kind of viewing past this year and trying to figure out, are we destined for this crash, right? When we hear things like that, immediately what people think about is, oh my gosh, there's another housing crisis on our yeah. hands. When somebody buys a house and the next day they got offers to buy it back from them, people automatically are going to say, dude, that's that's stupid. Like, that should true, not be happening. True, But I feel like if we're looking for signs of a bubble, that those have happened so many years mm-hmm. ago with NFTs and just all yeah. this crazy stuff. So I don't know. It doesn't seem out of the ordinary considering how inventory is so low just i don't know it seems like this year real estate's going to keep going up. i'm just saying i'm suspicious of a buyer coming in after closing three hundred thousand higher yeah um on a house that was listed yeah and they had a lot of time during escrow how long was the escrow like two weeks well here, here's escrow? the thing normally uh no the escrow was a month so normally mm. i will say that that i think you're right but in that specific community the cheapest house you can buy in there is like two and a half, three mil. So I bought the cheapest house in probably one of the nicest neighborhoods in mm-hmm. Vegas, which I would yeah. say that's the exception to that. Well, see, and I mean, at the end of the day, some people don't care. Like if it, let's say somebody coming in the area, they got the money, right? Yeah. Say a new athlete or something like, I want to live in this area and they miss that deal. And like, oh, this just sold. What if we offer them something? 
you know, if the, the inventory is so low. Exactly. Especially if you want to be in that community, but you don't want to pay $3 million. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. And I've seen some crazy offers in that community. Yeah. It's just, that's the market we're in right now. Yeah. Inventories are low. Is there anything else anywhere close to that price bracket in there right now available? Nope. nope. Yeah. And so that's where it comes down to. Imagine you're coming in the area. You want to live in that specific community. Yeah. You're like, hey, this house just sold. Oh, maybe we can talk to them. Yeah. Realtors talk as well. Maybe they're like, oh, this guy's looking at it not as a to mention, Not to mention the fact that all the other ones that are near two and a half, three mil, they're they're two story, whereas mine mm -hmm. is a single story. Yeah. I think is just this? more desirable. You get in writing yeah. and then you counter. Just say, hey, put it in writing. I'll consider it. Yeah. They And then they submit at one six and then you counter and say, listen, I don't really want to sell it, but one seven, Ooh. I'll be enticed. Give you me one that, seven right now. You think yes. that's worth it? Yes. Yes, I would. Absolutely. Well, so hold on. After on. taxes, after realtor fees, let's be realistic. You can negotiate say, the realtor fees. It's not on the market. Let's it's say an off-market deal. Let's say 1.6, right? So that's a $300,000 difference from my purchase price. Mm -hmm. After taxes, of, let's say 37%. That'd be short-term capital gains taxes, right? So 37%? Mm -hmm. Okay, so what's 37% off of uh, 300? Let's say... Well, you would be 400. That good at math. No, but, I don't, yeah. don't want to say 1.7. I'll say 1.6. That's the offer I got. Oh, okay. So, so that's a three hundred thousand dollar difference. Yeah, you're you're talking like one eighty ish. No, it's closer to a hundred, I think. No, no, I'm talking about what you would get. Oh, right, right, right. You you would get after uh, fees. Yeah, you're gonna net. You're gonna net after fees two fifty. Well, he's going off of uh, oh one yeah, six, fees. one sorry, six sorry. Yeah. after yeah. You're gonna yeah. negotiate those fees. It's not listed. It's it's an off market deal. Well, let's just mm -hmm. say that I can't negotiate. Let's just say I have to pay those real. You're not going anyway. to. Okay. Try, no, as a, as a realtor, I'm gonna tell you, not you're not going to. But okay. um. And then what is it? Uh, You're saying 37% tax yeah. rate. Mm -hmm. I think it'd be what 180-ish, wouldn't it? Somewhere around there, um, okay. roughly. Um, yeah, see, 160. Like, see, that's 160. not that's losing that house in that neighborhood for 160 is just not worth it to me. Yeah, I don't know. I look at the ROI on the cash though. How much do you put down on that? Um, 250 i believe that's a good return you put down 250 you make 160 yeah and true. what if yeah. you get 250 Let, let's take it up you know you yeah, counter yeah. let's say at 17 they do it true yeah um, it's a different story but yeah, yeah and, and at 250 then you're you're looking at that and you know what's your uh what's your five-year price target for bitcoin but see, here's the thing. But here's the thing because that's the way I think yeah. about it. I'm like, you know, put that 250 in Bitcoin. If you think it's gonna, Bitcoin? Yeah. yeah. Well, if you think it's going to 5x, right. 10x. I mean, here, here's the way I also look at it is that you're under really only banking on appreciation. Mm -hmm. Maybe that happens. Maybe it doesn't. But as as a, for cash flow, it's not a good property. No, for you're cash right. Flow. It's not. It's so not. So I'm best. looking. It's like you're, you're you're holding this property for seven years, really only to keep the loan mm -hmm. on it as an inflation hedge. Yes. If inflation comes down. Um, also, the, remember, I'm underweight real estate, so I can't be like, mm, oh, I'm just going to put Bitcoin. It's, it, I know, I'm but, already... but, but you could find another property that maybe cash flows a little bit better. True. No, it actually would have been better off if I had bought like five normal houses, four, three normal houses than that one. Yeah. But I specifically wanted that one in that community. Yeah. I was really into buying a, like a more expensive property and renting it out here because I thought like, oh, wow, you know, the, the, the luxury market in Los Angeles is really good. If you yeah. buy a $2 million property, getting like Twelve to fifteen thousand dollars a month. You could do that. Mm -hmm. Here, I'm shocked. You could buy a two million dollar property and it's up there for like seventy five hundred dollars a month. Like it's it's cheaper to rent those houses than Here, to buy. Right. And uh, when I was talking to some realtors about it, they just explained that the rental market isn't that that 
solid in the higher price points. A lot of those people who pay that buy something instead. Right. It's really and not that, that could flip, though, over the yes, next decade. That's true. Yeah, as a community just gets bigger. And that's you get true. more people kind of coming in and leaving right. and whatnot. And I also feel like that 1.3 is kind of that sweet spot where you, you could have a family of, say, doctors or lawyers, and, and it's kind of affordable mm-hmm. for... I don't know if it's the average person, but you know, yeah. it's still a, it's not like a three million dollar crazy house. Yeah. You have to be some celebrity to get to get it. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. yeah as you get, you know, the, I, one of the biggest things for our real estate market for the high end that is 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 all the sports franchises. You know, yeah. now we have the hockey team, football team, massive. Um, if we get basketball, baseball as well, just the amount of athletes that come into your area is immense. And, and what's crazy is they're only looking at two areas. They're either looking in that neighborhood or in yours. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those two yeah. places, either in Summerlin or in that area. Yeah, Devonte Adams. It was interesting. He um, he's a he's a super famous receiver for the Packers. Uh, you know, like one of the best in the league. And he had just bought a twelve million dollar house in the Ridges, mm. and. Everybody starts speculating, oh my gosh, I think he's coming to the Raiders. And then there was nothing, and actually he was going to do a deal with the Packers. Next thing you know, all of a sudden he got traded to the Raiders last week, which is huge. He got the uh, richest contract in NFL history for a receiver. I think he's going to make over thirty million a year. Holy crap! Just from the Raiders for mm. playing receiver, man. You should have been athletes. Dang it! Man. That's where the real money's <laughs> you could at. Be an We're mathletes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Get it? Mathletes. I, Math <laughs> I like that. Oh my goodness! But um, anyways, so you know, Andre, like you're under you're underweight real estate, so you're yes. looking to get more involved in real estate. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, what about stocks? Are you underweight stocks? Oh, or I you... am. I think I'm a little okay. underweight with stocks. Okay. Yeah. I don't have that much of a big portfolio relative mm-hmm. uh, to my net worth. It's only like, I want to say 550K, 500, okay. maybe 600,000, yeah. okay. on, on, which is not that much. I'd like to bring it up to the yeah. to one mil. Yeah. Just, yeah. Keep it there. I have a few stocks for you. Yeah. yeah. Honest. But, you ever heard but of Andre, But Andre has more in crypto. I do. All thanks no. to the sponsor of today's video, FTX US, down below in the description. FTX is a place where you could buy, sell, track, and trade a multitude of cryptocurrencies and NFTs right from your phone, all in one place, with fees that are 85% lower than the top competitors. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. also partnered with uh, Steph Curry, uh, Tom Brady, the Miami Heat Stadium. They've done quite a lot. The coolest CEO out there. Oh, yeah. Sam Bankman Fried. Oh, by far. (laughs) I've wanted to go down to the Bahamas just to be able to meet the guy. Oh. And and get him on the iced coffee hour. Oh, I was going to say, could you imagine that? Dude, that would be epic. I was epic vacation. (laughs) (laughs) Got to do it. I would be so anxious going down there because I wouldn't be able to be on vacation. I'd just be like, just thinking, I need to get the video with like, you know, Sam. Come on, Sam. Let's film the video. Yeah. (laughs) We can't wait. We can't wait. It's got to be. Oh, Sam, do this face for the thumbnail and just have a. <laughs> no no look more scared look angry look sad <laughs> anyway guys oh, if you use the link down below in the description you could get free crypto on every trade over ten dollars and their crypto debit card is ex- used and accepted throughout millions of merchants worldwide so if you're interested the link is down below in the description they help support the channel and same sam bankman free by the way is incredible yeah go and look them up afterwards but not during the podcast but yeah. afterwards you can do it. that yeah. was smooth as butter <laughs> yeah, I, I try yeah thank you ftx as always um, all right, gentlemen. So, uh, market's coming back strong. I'm sure you might have seen in your portfolios. It's an interesting move. Nasdaq nine percent in six days. Ooh, yeah, that's great. Six trading days. Uh, so, explain move. to people watching why why is the stock market going up recently? So, I mean, we had a lot of fear priced in. You know, as of if we went back to is either Monday of last week or Friday of the previous week, we were down about twenty two percent, roughly twenty one, twenty two percent on the Nasdaq year to date. 
Uh, that would that was uh, since the 2021 high. Okay. So since about November, okay. which is an extraordinary move. Like when you talk about 20% plus on a major index, that's a huge move. Um, and then the same thing with the Russell was in bear market. So there's so much bad news already priced in. You had Russia, you had oil, you had uh, recession fears, which is just like a fear, which you could always have mm. that fear. Rate fears. Yes, rate fears. And now the bricks, I call it the wall of worry. The bricks are starting to slowly crumble. And as you get those bricks to slowly crumble, what ends up happening is the market kind of brings up. And um, a lot of these stocks are still at disgusting value. That's, that's the interesting part is we've come back quite a bit, but I think it's just uh, a very small amount compared to how, how much some of these stocks are going to climb over the next you know few years as we kind of dig out of this massive wall of worry that's in front of yeah, us. It's going to be so funny when people look at stocks today and they're like, no, they're so expensive, though. They've already gone up 15%. I'm too late. Yeah. And then just imagine the market drops. No, it's going to get worse. I'm not going to buy it. Yeah. That's just the yeah. mentality. Yeah, yeah, I remember Tesla when it, it finally started going up. I started buying that stock 2018 into 2019. And at first I was down on the position. And then next thing you know, it finally started to turn toward the back half of 2019. And next thing you know, I was up like 20% on Tesla. Then like 30% on Tesla, then 40%. And I remember there were some folks that like, dude, you had to cash out now. Like it just made a huge move. Yeah. And obviously now it's up like 2000 plus percent, uh, you know, a few years later. But th that's the thing when you get that initial first move, and especially when you've been through a lot of pain, people are like looking at like cash, like, oh, we've, we finally made a profit cash. Cause when you've been down for months or even a year, right. It's like when you finally get that breath of fresh air, you are so quick to like, I got to take this profit cause it might be gone. Right. Which is a very different mentality than we had a year and a half ago in the market. So. Right. Have you noticed that um, tech stocks are coming back the most or is the small cap market coming up? Yeah, I would say it's any the riskier the play, the faster it's coming back because okay. um, those ones got hit the, the so, worst. So, correct me if I'm wrong. Small caps are riskier than tech. Are seen as riskier. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't necessarily mean they are. I wouldn't are. say they're it's it's more just volatile. The volatile. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's a way bigger to swings. It. Synonymous yeah. with risky. You get bigger swings. That's all. Yeah. The highs are higher and the lows are lower. We'll put, we'll make it. Uh, that's the technical yeah. way. Of like, let me it. let me put in some smart words in here. Volatile. Volatile. Uh, yeah. When it moves over the 200 day, Andre, that's when you got to look at that 50 day moving average and decide if it's going to the 100 day moving average next mm. or the 1000 day moving average after that. And so I'm just kidding. Okay, none of that, none of that matters. <laughs> I was gonna say, oh, this doesn't sound right, man. <laughs> none you get of the ten thousand day moving average. <laughs> oh gosh, but uh, anyways, yeah, but not the, until you adjust for inflation. Oh, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. inflation mess. adjusted one thousand day moving average. Oh, that messes up everything. Yeah. Ooh, oh, speaking of inflation, what do you guys think is going on? You increasing inflation this year? Or are we going down? Still increasing, in my opinion. I'd love to hear your opinion, Graham. But yeah. I think the rate of increase is going to start to slow in two months from now, starting why, in two months why from now. Why two months? Uh, because that's when we started already having that insane increase in inflation. And so I think we're going to see a more of a moderation where increase, you know, inflation is going to keep increasing, but the rate of increase is going to start slowing because mm. the comps get easier and easier. We got this month as a tough comp, next month's a tough comp. After that, we're, in my yeah. opinion, in the clear as far as that increase. Oh. Yeah, I would agree with you. The issue, though, is we still have rising prices yep. throughout a lot of things. Supply chain is still not normal after all of this time. Mm -hmm. um, issues now with, with energy prices going up. And I know, you know it's most likely going to be fairly temporary. I don't know how mm -hmm. long it's going to last. But uh, I could see prices going up another 3 to 5%. So there was a study, um, not a study, but a, but a research paper kind of that was published by a guy named Zoltan Posar who used mm. to be a senior advisor cool, to the man. U.S. Treasury. He used to serve for the Federal Reserve in New York. 
And uh, he was kind of like the point man for some of the chief senior officials for the Federal Reserve, um, White House officials, and U.S. Treasury. Okay. And he published a paper called Bretton Woods 3.0, where he talks mm-hmm. about like the next evolution of money, right? So Bretton Woods, just so anyone unfamiliar, is uh, you know the agreement we signed in 1944, which basically put the U.S. dollar as the reserve world reserve currency. Um, and he says that in his paper that uh, he's trying to warn basically people that there's a kind of a tidal wave on the horizon that people aren't seeing coming. Mm. Um, and uh, what he's talking about is the commodity crisis because of the sanctions placed on Russia. So commodity prices are going to be extremely volatile, right? Mm-hmm. Because when you choke Russia's commodities, which, by the way, Russia's not even in the top 10 like exporters of commodities, but it's extremely rich in certain commodities that are extremely important to markets like gas, oil, and a few other things. And if you cut off the supply of those commodities from Russia, you're increasing the volatility, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the equivalent of like if you have a stock for like Coca-Cola and it's worth whatever, $50. Um, well, that stock, we can agree, is $50 no matter where we're buying it on, right? Mm-hmm. But let's say somebody's like, oh, I don't want that Coca-Cola stock. It's from Russia. I'll <laughs> give it to you for $30, right? Now you're increasing the difference between the bid and ask spread, and now no one knows what the stock is truly worth because mm-hmm. it's so volatile. Yep. But commodity prices, they're, so, so Russia is kind of acting like, remember in the 2008 subprime financial mortgage crisis mm-hmm. where people were packaging these CDOs and yeah. And they kind of affect, like they were selling them to poor pension funds and they hugely affected the markets. Well, these Russian commodities are like these uh, toxic CDOs where nobody wants to touch them. Mm -hmm. So that's increasing the volatility in the commodity markets. And it's only going to get worse because all these commodities, they're they're packaged up into assets, derivatives. And if you increase volatility, especially in the margin market, right, margin trading, Mm -hmm. then you get, you know, called. Yeah. And then you get that sell-off. Yep. And so this guy's saying that, like, we don't know what's going to happen. Normally, when something like this happens, we have a Federal Reserve to step in and just buy up whatever needs to be bought mm-hmm. to close the gap, right, to stabilize the prices. Yep. But we can't do that this time because it is the Western banks that are doing the sanctioning. Mm. So his thesis is that China is going to be the one to basically money printer go, right, mm. in Chinese uh, money. Yep. Uh, the <laughs> renminbi? Oh, yeah, they, yeah. That's another term for it. Yes. Either yuan, yuan or okay. so, Yeah, so yuan, right? They, they print the yuan. Mm-hmm. They buy up those Russian commodities that nobody wants to touch because they're sanctioned, but China mm-hmm. doesn't care. Yep. Um, and now you have stronger Chinese currency, weaker U.S. dollar, and that could be the birth of that new world reserve currency that mm. Ray Dalio was talking about yep. in his world reserve order, which I yep. thought was fascinating because yeah. like, it sets it up so perfectly. And then he says, if Bitcoin's still around at that point, then it's going to be hugely profitable because right now the world is watching in real time as Russia has its foreign exchange reserve wallet frozen. Mm-hmm. And if you're the leader of a country and you're paying attention, you're like, dude, is the dollar really an asset or is it a liability? Mm-hmm. Do I really want to hold my reserves in dollars or some other currency? Mm-hmm. That's why oh. if if people park some of that wealth in Bitcoin, because yeah. it's it's you know it's it's a money that's not governed by any country, it maybe it's a little bit safer. Yep. So I just thought that was a fascinating yeah. pe- uh, paper. I I don't know. What, you got to think too. It's like why would they park money in Bitcoin? And I, I see the appeal, but no, again, no, the, I'm not saying yeah, all of they'll right. put all of their mm-hmm. reserves into it. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying just like Bitcoin some. is going to be just some, even if it's one percent of the world's yeah. four hundred trillion dollar wealth. Yep. 
four, uh, 1% is $4 trillion. Kind of like a lot of countries put some of their money in gold. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so okay, $400 trillion is, is how much the world's net worth is. So 1% of that is $4 trillion. The current market cap of Bitcoin, I believe, is $700 billion. Mm-hmm. That's a roughly like four to five X in current Bitcoin price. If even 1% flows into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think when you look realistically, it's probably not going to happen for a long time. The U.S. dollar is still pretty strong. It's pretty stable. There's not a lot of other great alternatives. Gold does not have that sort of volatility where all of a sudden it's down 10% in like an hour because someone decided to sell. Um so I think for those reasons, it's going to take a very long time. And even then, it's it's always easy to say, well, you know, if 1% buys this, I don't know. I mean, I think it could take a... Uh, you know, I will say this, time, and, yeah. and it's always funny when I have to defend Bitcoin, but... Uh, wow, you know, Jay, well, you I know, really are defending Bitcoin, Yeah, Jay. I know. I'll are defend you, anything you, as long as I can argue this? with somebody. Oh, this is crazy. You see this? This is crazy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay, but, wait, I'm listening. Okay, what, I, what, what I will <laughs> say in in Bitcoin's defense is I think it's becoming less volatile than we've ever seen it. Yes. Um, you know, and, and even when we, we saw that big sell-off from almost 70K down to the low 30s, mm-hmm. um, it, it held well. And, yeah. and today, I think Bitcoin's at about 42. Yep. I think it's becoming less and less volatile. It's The thing is, the more folks that buy Bitcoin, right? And like you two gentlemen, you have no plans to sell Bitcoin. Bitcoin could probably double tomorrow, right? And you guys probably aren't cashing, more than likely, mm-hmm. 99%, right? So when you get more and more of those folks out there, right? And they're just not cashing. Even when you get these moves, it's going to be more stable. Um, and never mind, you add on the people that aren't just holding, but are buying. Um, and, and I think that's that's uh, that's just massive for, for Bitcoin for long term. And so I think it's going to become less. The, the bad news with that, the one bad news is... If you're expecting any even remotely close to the type of returns you got from Bitcoin in the past, you know, dream on. You can still probably get some great returns from Bitcoin over the next, let's say, 10 years. But that uh, when you if you're going to take it away on the, the downside, you're also going to take away some of the upside. It's like kind of viewing Tesla stock. Yeah. It's like, you know, Tesla, you're not going to make nearly as much money in the Tesla moving forward as you did in the past. The, the folks that are usually the earliest of the game are always the ones that get the most, but it doesn't mean you can't make some money. Yeah. And so, so are you implying that, that maybe countries could have a reserve in Tesla? <laughs> could you imagine? <laughs> you, Elon would love that. <laughs> World Reserve Tesla yeah. shares. No, but if you, if you yeah. were to time travel to 2017, right, just, like, just not that long ago, yep. four years ago, five mm-hmm. years ago. Almost. I keep thinking 2017, three years ago. I know, yeah, right? Yeah, know what it is. We're still we all stuck so in 2020. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> if you were to tell those people who bought at the top of $20,000, like so many people were heartbroken, like, oh, dude, I bought at the top. Yeah. And you're like, oh, don't worry. Just a couple of years from now, Bitcoin's just going to be floating around 40000 yeah. stable. Like, mm-hmm. that's incredible. It is. It just goes to show you that even if you buy at the top, as long as you dollar cost average into it, you're going to come out ahead. Yeah. In the long term. The, the interesting thing is, I think if you told some people mm-hmm. that held Bitcoin or were buying Bitcoin at that time, it's only going to be at 40,000. I think there's some folks who would have been like, oh, I'm selling Bitcoin then. Because <laughs> if it's only going to 40K, because a lot of people put these insane price targets on. You know, even like we've heard, you know, the 100,000 price, the million price. And a lot of times these, these just aren't hit, obviously, or even remotely close to being hit. And so um, I think some people, you know, especially at that time, we're still caught up into the like it has a 10x from here and it has a 100x, and if it doesn't, it's a it's bad. Um, mm, right. So, it, what's interesting, I don't think Bitcoin's quite attracting the same crowd it may be used to. Uh, whereas before, it was like I gotta, I gotta buy Bitcoin because this is my chance to 100x my money. I think it's more attracting a crowd now that's like I'm gonna make money in this over the next five years or 10 years. 
Uh, how much money? I don't know. We'll see. But I'm going to make a good amount of money. Well, I think if you were to tell people from 20, 2017 that now you're attracting institutional buyers and countries, mm -hmm. people would have lost their mind. Like, yeah. you're kidding me. Now you get those buyers, it's yeah. game over. And this yeah. is just the start. So to be fair, I do think Bitcoin by the end of this decade will probably be closer to half a million, if not a million. Okay. Then it will be closer to 40,000 or zero or whatever yeah. people sometimes think. I would agree with that. I, I would say if I had so to take one of those bets. Why yeah. aren't you uh, buying more Bitcoin, Jeremy? I might. Using I might. our sponsor, FTX. So yeah. You get free crypto on every trade over $10. I might buy some Bitcoin through so, FTX very soon. Jeremy, here. tell me. So. Okay. It's interesting that you're like warming up to the idea of Bitcoin. Yep. Was there anything that, because I would love to take whatever that is and channel it to people that are kind of similar to you in, in a sense of like they, they don't like it or they don't want to invest in it. Yeah. What is it that did it for you that maybe is becoming more clear that it that wasn't clear before? Uh, when it comes to Bitcoin, is is really just seeing how passionate people are. And, and at the end of the day, if you want to give value to something, right? If enough people want to give value to that dang thing, it becomes valuable, right? right? And so, with the Bitcoin community, and the thing I've always, you know, respected at least for the last few years is how loyal people are to Bitcoin. And even folks like you guys that just, you know, you're, you're holders, you're buyers, and you're not sellers. And so I'm like, well. If if that's if that's the type of community that's attracted here, that's a that's a pretty cool uh, investment community, right? Um, so I think Bitcoin still comes with risks of like if something better comes along or something like that, and people are like, ah, Bitcoin's the old thing, don't don't buy Bitcoin, buy this other thing. That's the one risk I see. But you know, a lot of people just look at it as kind of like digital gold. But and hold it's on, it's going to be a tough the, thing to. to I, I appreciate that perspective, yeah. but from from a different perspective, like if you were still against Bitcoin, if I was to tell you that, you'd be mm -hmm. like, well. That's just a herd mentality, right? Like, why why would I put my money into something that so many people believe in? Like, they're buying at the top. Like, why would I chase that? Yeah. So how how do you transform that? Part? Like, how do you? Yeah, I think it's very much a similar philosophy to like gold, mm -hmm. which I've never bought any. You know, I've I've bought one time in my life. I held gold for like three days, like gold ETF or whatever. <laughs> uh, but that's about all my my gold uh, experience, and that's why I've never been the biggest fan of Bitcoin either. Mm -hmm. uh, just for the mere fact that I'm like I like I like things that can produce me cash flow. Companies can produce me cash flow over time, right? Even if you buy a money losing company at that time, if as long as it flips the other side, it becomes a cash flow company. Uh, when it comes to gold, Bitcoin, things like that, it's not producing necessarily anything. It's just people are buying it because they believe people are going to use it to exchange value over time. And which is kind of attractive, and there's no doubt it can it can go up over time. If more and more people are transacting in Bitcoin and more and more folks are saying, I'm going to take more Bitcoin off the market, Ultimately, uh, that's a pretty darn good thing for the value of Bitcoin over time. You know, yeah. It Has the war in Ukraine shed light on it for you as far as like the utility goes? Because I remember we bit, argued yeah. a lot and you were like, who uses this stuff? Like yeah. no one's it's using it. Criminals. And Criminals and Andre. There's a fine line there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> they're pretty much the same thing. No? <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. But no, I think I think that's a great point. And I think, uh, I think you know, Russia's probably learned this and... Um, yeah. So at the end of the day, I think I think the investment case is stronger than it's ever been for Bitcoin. Mm. Um, and I think that's ultimately a good thing. And when it comes to other cryptos, that's where it gets a little tough um, because, you know, I don't know what else is exciting. You have Bitcoin, you have Ethereum, which Ethereum you have a lot of use cases for. And then I try to view the other crypto market outside of that. And I'm like, what is on the come up right now that's really no, exciting? Honestly, the rest of it is just a huge, huge speculative bet. Is like, that what as, it is? Okay. As, as most crypto is anyway, but mm -hmm. just beyond Bitcoin and Ethereum. And yeah, I just, I really think you're, 
you might as well go to the casino at that point and mm. just learn how to play blackjack and start card counting. It's yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it's some of the some of them are not going to be super successful, but yeah. I've just seen it throughout so many years of people being like, "Well, you just don't know what you're talking about," or like, "You don't know that you haven't done the research." Mm -hmm. And it's just like it doesn't matter what you think you know as far as the technology, the community, mm -hmm. whatever it is. It just doesn't matter. Mm. Like it's not. I mean, it matters. Yeah. But it's just that's not what and that's not what propels it to the like a relevant you know asset class yeah. or an asset yeah it doesn't like dogecoin is a perfect example mm -hmm. like could anyone have compared it to the thousands of cryptos that are out there compare the technology and been like no dogecoin is really the best one it's, <laughs> it's not right yeah but the community is so strong it just mm -hmm. became a meme yep. and then elon started to support it so i mean could anyone have predicted that based on the fundamental metrics or something yeah. like that? A couple, no, it's impossible. And so, update on Doge. Where, where's that at? I, I, I think it's like 12, 12 cents, 13 yeah. cents. And for reference, where was it at at peak? 72. 70 something. Yeah. yeah, it was like 76. Dogecoin like Millionaire's yeah. portfolio, I believe, is close to 400, 450 oh, or something. No. Yeah. Oh, shoot. Yeah, and he, Man. what was it at, so at peak, he was what, Three several mil? mil? Three mil. Wow. I remember seeing it as 2.8 and being like, you could just swipe up oh. right now. Like, literally just swipe up, and yeah. you have two and a half million dollars in your account. Right, like, right now. Yeah. It's yours. Wow. And all you got to do is just, boop. It's so Part of me wanted to just take his phone. I would never do that. <laughs> yeah. Just like, let me see that. Let me see it. Oh, just and kidding. be like, yeah, it's all sold. <laughs> yeah, man, it's, it's, okay. it's really tempting, man. but I from his perspective because he's never been in crypto and he's never had that much money yeah i don't think it makes sense to somebody who hasn't had that much money how much it's actually worth mm -hmm. how quickly you can lose it and how this like this this feeling of fomo of like oh it's gonna keep going higher yeah it's just at the peak when you're seeing three mil you're like oh this is gonna keep going yeah. i'm gonna be a decamillionaire soon i worry that he has the same expectation that it's following the trend of bitcoin and yeah. if he just waits long enough it's gonna go to a dollar and maybe yeah. it will but I don't. You, you just never know. No. To me, that's the same yeah. sort of mistake. On that. Yeah. And, and it's funny because we all have to make those mistakes and then look mm -hmm. back and be like, now I know. I don't think we all have to make a $3 million mistake like <laughs> no, that. I mean, no. that's a very unique mistake. <laughs> we all have to make imagine, our own unique mistakes. Imagine everyone has to make a $3 million mistake. Their portfolio is up $3 million and they just have to learn a lesson. <laughs> so I will say Man. for me, I learned it with $100,000, which um, I think it was in 2017, 2016, which mm -hmm. to me at that time, that was so much money. Yeah. And I remember seeing my portfolio skyrocket, which was when Bitcoin split off into Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. Mm -hmm. And I just saw it skyrocket to like $111,000. Mm -hmm. wow. And it's like, oh, this is gonna keep going. This is it. Late 2017. You, yeah, and these narratives of like this mass global adoption, you just start to believe in it so much because yeah. it's like a self-reinforcing theory that you just hold on to everything and you forget that this you know it's a oh I, flash okay I, we're gonna go way left here okay now but this is this is interesting because i was thinking you were talking about 2016 2017 you and uh i don't even know how many people know this story that that are probably watching this you were somehow part of now you see me movie right yes. which is a super famous movie yeah. that you know i'm sure a ton of people have seen can you divulge any information about like, you know, what you might have been paid or weren't paid or like if you were well paid, where your Ooh, role yeah. in that was? That's a good I, question. I don't even think a lot of people know that you were involved in that in any manner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in 2014, I consulted on a movie called Now You See Me 2. That was the sequel. Oh, and so you consulted technically. Yes. That was your role. Yeah, okay. I was like a consultant for that. And okay. uh, originally I got involved in that project because the first movie, the executive producer for that movie, Bobby Cohen, mm -hmm. his son was a huge fan of magic and he would watch uh -huh. our magic videos. 
and the executive producer called us up and I flew to uh, oh, they get to, your number how they get my number yeah. it was the company that I used to work for mm, okay. um, it was a magic company it was a very yeah. small kind of startup company and they called us over and they're like hey let's get Andre to fly to uh, New Orleans and there's gonna be a press junket with all the actors he, he could go in there posing as an interviewer which by the way for an actor a press junket is like the worst part of their job <laughs> because they just sit there for like eight hours yeah. a day and having these people come in and ask them the same questions over and over <laughs> like if you look at the actors they're just so over it they're mm. grumpy anyway yeah. so i came in there pretending i was another interviewer and had a deck of cards on me i was like oh can i show you something and they're mm. like sure yeah please like <laughs> let yeah. me not be the monkey for once <laughs> so i showed them some card tricks and they're like oh my god because i do some card stuff and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm okay <laughs> I'm all right. and so i showed them some stuff and they were like dude this is awesome so anyway they remembered us and then for the second movie the sequel they called us back and that's when i flew to london and stayed there for two months and i got oh, to yeah. train the cast spent like 10 to 12 hours a day with the whole cast just uh, teaching them magic it was super cool but i was working for that company okay and so i was an employee technically oh. so i got paid nothing extra for doing that <gasps> yeah Whoa. um so I, and I'll, I'll share with you this my salary at that time was fifty thousand dollars a year hmm. wow so, so a little under a thousand a week yes mm -hmm. yes yes wow so that was uh for that movie which it was the most probably exciting and coolest experience of my life. Yeah. Uh, it was also extremely like work intensive because okay. it was 10 to 12 hour days for two months. Two like, months two you months. dedicated to that? Yes. Wow. It was so cool. Like, I figured I, it might've been like two days. No, hundred like, percent. Oh, I would, I would no, do it again. Learn that. Yeah. No. Whoa. Yeah. So, so that, that scene in the white lab where they're throwing the card. Mm -hmm. So I, I actually own that card. Like I have the, the hero card in the movie, oh, that, God. that digital computer chip. Yeah. And uh, that scene took, I believe, how long did it take? I think I want to say like 11 or 10 days to film that scene. They built this giant computer moving machine lab yeah. for hundreds of thousands of dollars that they had up for like 10 days. And then they completely yeah. just <laughs> wow. get rid of it and yeah. dismantle it. Yeah. It's insane. Whoa. Yeah. That's incredible. So why does a scene like that take so long? You'd think it'd be like a day, maybe even something complicated. Because... Like, the way it looked in the movie is it was no. just recorded all at one time. No, yeah, here's here's the interesting part. So you may not have known this, but if you see two actors in, in the same shot, right? Mm -hmm. One where you see the back of the head and one you see where the front, right? Yeah. The the person who's standing behind, like whose face you can't see, mm -hmm. that is not that actor. That is a stand-in, somebody who <sighs> kind of looks like them. Yeah. Every single scene that you'll ever see an actor with talking with someone else, like mm -hmm. like either dialogue or something else, they only use one actor at a time. And every single scene, like every time the camera cuts to like a new scene, mm -hmm. just imagine somebody just says, all right, cut. And then there's a 10 to 15 minute break where they have to reset the lights, the, the cameras, they have to move everything. And then 20 wow. to 30 minutes later, they get the actors from their trailers to come back to the set and then they shoot the next scene. And every wow. single cut takes that. Okay. Hmm. And then, and so was like, how involved were you in, in more than just that scene? Um, you know, like, like how many scenes were you really part of? Cause I'm trying to figure out how big of a part of that movie you might've been. The whole movie. Really? The whole movie. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's insane. And to think like, you know, obviously it's such a cool experience, but to think you didn't financially benefit yeah. almost at all. You no, know but I, mean? I got to see to a lot about. of things. Yeah. And it was probably one of the coolest experiences but there was one uh, bet where the director john chu mm -hmm. he had a kind of a bet with the actors where woody harrelson and um 
uh, Dave Franco, they were throwing cards between each other. Okay. And they got so good. Like they would stand mm-hmm. opposite of each other, like 20 feet apart. Yeah. And they would just take a single card and they would throw it back and forth to each other. Wow. Or rather not back and forth to each other. But but Woody would throw to Dave and Dave would just catch it. How <laughs> many can he catch in a row, right? Like yep. tens, you mm-hmm. know, consistently. And they, they just basically scammed the director because they were like, hey, let, if we could do 10, like you owe us 100. And he's like, all right, let's do it. And so they would pretend to like suck. Yeah. <laughs> they would just do incredible. Oh, wow. And like, all right, let's double or nothing. It was it was such a cool experience. Who, I have so many like fun stories from that. Who is the coolest person uh, in your opinion? Oh, everybody, really? Everybody. Everybody was, was so really cool. cool. The chemistry okay. on set was um, so cool. Like, okay. It was, it was, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, because I mean, yeah. I think a lot of people would think, oh, you know, actors and actresses, they got to be like, you know, yeah. super off. I, I will know? say um, Morgan Freeman uh, just like before the movie starts shooting, mm-hmm. they have a table read, right, where they yep. go through and they just read the whole movie mm-hmm. through the script and guys like morgan freeman who have been in the industry for so long they don't need to they don't need to show up to those they just, oh wow they have I their own thing yeah yeah they've been doing it for so long it's just like they, they play by different rules who, who are you nervous to meet if anybody daniel radcliffe okay yeah because he's like harry potter right he yeah. was he was i was such a huge fan of his and i still am wow. and i would i told him that like right before we started working i was like dude i'm such a huge fan of yours <laughs> he's like oh don't even worry about it dude i get it all the time yeah but, yeah wow. Yeah. No, that, that's a cool experience, but yeah, it's nuts. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Now, uh, in the magic industry, like, like who's really making bank? Like David Blaine, is he making like 20 million oh, a year? Oh, you'd be surprised. So uh, it's so interesting. When, when you're a magician, the career, the, the perspective that people have of you is like, oh, do you have your own show here in Vegas? You're like, no. <laughs> They're like, oh, so you're broke. <laughs> yeah. It's, there's, okay. That's so the people's either, perception. It's either, it's either yeah, you're David Copperfield or... Or you're like just a, a you know a guy in Las Vegas, a guy in Las Vegas wow. with a deck of cards, yeah. But what people don't know is that there's like three to four different layers of, of working magicians that okay. actually make really good money. Okay, like I would say uh, the corporate level magician, they make anywhere between a hundred to three hundred thousand wow. dollars a year easily. Because what's that? What's a corporate level magician? Corporate level magicians are people that go to say casinos or businesses and they'll perform for employee events like award ceremonies okay. or um, they'll just travel around the world or even in the US, like they'll just perform for let's say Coca-Cola or Microsoft. Ooh. They'll be keynote speakers mm. for new products, whatever it is. Okay. And they get paid insane amounts of money. Like some yeah. of my friends get paid thirty to fifty thousand dollars per gig. Oh, it's and so you, you still keep up with the, the magic industry. And, oh, yes. And, okay. Yes, loosely, but mm. yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, it's incredible how much money you can make. Like before I started my YouTube channel, the only thing I was subsisting on because like I wasn't making any money because yep. I turned everything down. Wow. I didn't want to do anything. Yep. I just wanted to focus on YouTube because yep. that was the only way that I could do it. Yeah. I was like I need to be starving literally to like just <laughs> do it. Right. Mm. So the only income that I had at the time was to perform for corporate. So for the casinos, I would yeah. go to the win for their employee no events. Wow. They would pay me two and a half thousand dollars to show up and just perform magic walking around and that's for insane. an hour, for an hour. Wow. Yeah. Two and a half grand. Yeah. That, yeah. That's How often insane. would that 
happen though i mean for people that are actually like working yeah. working and they work on relationships which i'm the worst at i, I don't network mm -hmm. very well yeah they get they get those you know five six times a month wow yeah and that's just one of those, right? They'll, yep. they'll get different ones, but yeah. So there's a level beneath the whole David Copperfield okay. stage persona yeah. that is people can make. I've no, I know magicians that make over a million dollars a year. Wow. Being keynote speakers for like wall street, uh, in New York, like it's crazy. Who's technically the hottest magician right now. You, you wouldn't know who they are if I mentioned their name. Oh, okay. well, let's, let's see. No, Try us. No, trust me. You wouldn't know. Okay. But, but okay. please mention somebody. So I, uh, I'm what, just, what makes no, them so Everyone's going to be curious. Yeah. The audience like, you're not going to know them. Well, I'll, I'll say two. Justin Willman and Dave Williamson. Okay. Are they you know, kind of you know more on the underground? Because I, I they're yeah, not underground. Heard. Actually, oh. Justin Woman has a show on Netflix. He's got his own special. Okay, Magic for Humans, I believe. Ooh. And uh, David Williamson is, a, is an older magician, but he's like like if Jim Carrey could be a magician, that's him. Oh wow! Like he's he's so good. Like the best magicians, you can take away their deck of cards and they'll entertain you for hours and still be funny. <laughs> and like that's really Jeez. the best people. Yeah. And in, in, in terms of on the strip, what is it? About five people have big shows on the strip, would you say? Or is it like three people have big shows? I see the guy, what is it, Shin Lim? Shin Lim, yeah. That's a billboard I see all the time. I see his face yeah. everywhere. That's a good yeah. friend of mine. Yeah, is I've it? known okay. him before he blew up, like before America's Got Talent. Oh, yeah. so that's how he got big. Yeah, America's Got ah, Talent. I see. Yeah. And then his show, where's that at? Treasure Island, MGM? No, Mir uh, Mirage. Mirage, okay, yeah. yeah. No, he's incredibly talented. Is he the biggest on the strip right now, or? Biggest? I don't know, what do you define as biggest? Well, like like crowd size, maybe? Like, like... He does not have the biggest theater, no, okay. I don't believe so. Is that his yeah. fault, or is it just kind of like the, the position he's put in? No, the, it's interesting. Uh, the AGT uh, contract is uh -huh. terrifying because it's like we own you throughout the universe in perpetuity. That's one of the oh. lines that's in the contract for AGT. Wow. We like throughout the universe in perpetuity is literally a line in yeah. the contract. Wow. So like they they own your material, your yeah. like because because technically if you win AGT and you become famous, they created that product. Yeah. You are that brand yeah. they created. And so they own usually like at least 50% of everything oh you do. Forever. No. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Alex, yeah. what a scam. It's not wow. like that. Yeah. And that million dollar bonus prize that is promised to the winner can be paid out in any choosing for. So you can either be paid out, I, I believe, immediately, like six hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars or take the million dollars over a longer period of time. But because that longer, it's probably an annuity. Yeah. But that longer structure, period yeah. of time is completely discretionary to AGT. So they could pay you a dollar a year for 30 years and then pay you the other nine hundred ninety thousand dollars whenever. Oh. It's That's it's incredible. it's very different. Yeah, yeah. show business. Yeah, but what is are there? What different. are the, What's their viewership like? How many people would see something on an average night for AGT? Yeah. Oh, I have no idea. What it's got to be millions. But imagine yeah. it's like ten to twenty million. Yeah. Going into this thing, we're going to show you to ten million people, yeah. and if anything happens. I bet that's a catalyst for a lot of people that they never would have gotten oh, otherwise. So sometimes it's better to get mm -hmm. half of something, something than big nothing, than nothing. Yeah. anything. For sure. 100%. But Shin Lim's manager yeah. is actually his mom, and she is incredible. Like, she negotiated really? the best deal for him, yeah. Wow. The so best he has contract. to give half of his income? I can't say what his contract is, yeah. but it, it is unlike any other contract I've ever seen before. Impressive. Like, it's 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 the best. I've I wonder if seen. he could almost threaten and just say, hey, well, I'm not going to work. Uh, or, you know, <laughs> like, all right, we'll find uh, all these other people that are yeah, also talented. And that's the thing, too. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting, you know, how those Vegas shows work. Because, uh, you know, for instance, like Adele was going to have a, a show yeah. for a while. And then uh, I think it was at Caesars. Yeah. And then from my understanding, what happened is Caesars wasn't 
doing it up to her level, yeah. which I imagine, you know, this is Adele, like one of the biggest musicians of the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years. And, uh, you know, here we are in the, this situation where she ended up pulling the show and well, uh, not doing it. Well, here's an interesting crazy. perspective. Um, so Chris Angel, when he got the Cirque du Soleil deal here in town with Luxor. Uh, okay. Are you familiar with him? Uh, yeah, I definitely heard of him. Okay. Yeah, he he was huge probably around, what was that, 2010 2000s, yeah. yeah. Early 2000s. Early 2000s, okay. 2000s, something like that, yeah. yeah. And uh, Mind Freak, right? The, the yeah. special, you guys remember? Okay. I, I watched a show, was yeah. it VH1 or MTV? Yes, one of those. Yeah. And so, so give you a perspective, he signed a 10-year deal with uh, Luxor, or okay. Cirque du Soleil, my bad, uh, for 10 years for $100 million, right? Which is it's nutty, it's insane. Yeah. But um, Katy Perry, who showed up to World uh, Resort World recently, okay. right? She's doing a residency here for two months. Okay. You know what World Resorts paid her for that two month contract? Shoot, I don't know how many how many shows was she doing first off. Uh, um, gosh, I don't know her schedule. Like five to seven, I'm guessing a week. Okay, five to seven a week. It's probably five hundred thousand per show. So three and a half million a week. I, I was gonna uh, say yeah. I was gonna say five hundred on the low end, but I was thinking probably about a mil. My guess, an episode twenty five million two months. No, it's closer to 160 million. No. Yeah. Oh, you know what? You got to think how many people go to the casino and gamble and lose money. Mm -hmm. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Oh my god. In two months. Wow. What took Chris Angel ten years to not even yeah. come close to that? Yeah. Oh Just my to give gosh. you a perspective. So, so it, it's interesting to me because the truth is, Katy Perry's not going to make that much money in two months. Like it's impossible. Even though I will say, Corey and I went to go see her show amazing so cool oh yeah i love Katy but perry i paid 50 dollars for two drinks yeah it's like two drinks club. you ever Dude. went to omni oh my no, gosh it's like 50 bucks for one drink i've never Dude. went but i just know people that have gone. it's insane right yeah. i mean still that's not going to make them their money back but just goes yeah. to show you that i feel like uh, especially foreign foreign money like all mm -hmm. that's the asian market for yeah. for world resorts yeah. maybe it's like a loss leader it's like hey we don't care just to get mm -hmm. people through the door to, yep. get us, to get them to play yeah. and spend money like it's worth the the brand awareness wow. it's insane yeah and that yeah. i bet is pretty big to get other acts afterwards yeah. like hey you're gonna follow up katie perry exactly. i don't know that that sort of prestige it's it gonna carry it on for a little bit yeah jeez. Yeah. Right. yeah i mean a big a big musician will make like two mil to three mil a concert mm. like when they're on tour like yeah. if you're huge like yeah. massive um like two to three like katie perry could probably make like two to three uh you know per concert she does assuming it was in either massive arenas or stadiums because a lot of the, the biggest artists do stadiums now so can you imagine doing one show and being like all right cool i made a mil all right, yeah, couple mil. That's I know. insane. It, it's like, my gosh. And then it's so hard to do anything else. Think about Floyd Mayweather. Make yeah. 100 million plus in a night. In a night. <laughs> well, that's because he didn't pay Logan. <laughs> yeah. He gets, oh, yeah. To, keep, he gets oh, to keep the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, Logan, I think, made like 40 or 50 mil off. Well, that. someday if he gets paid. I thought I heard Wait, it was he like never 20. Got paid? You're I, not kidding. I heard Logan was about 20. And I, I forget who, like, I don't know no, if I heard it was 40. Ridiculous or, yeah. Now Floyd's getting a hundred. I mean, it would make sense that Floyd gets to keep like eighty percent. Yeah, Logan's twenty. It's so fascinating I mean, to me because I feel like, uh, know, <laughs> regardless of what you think of, you know, the you know Logan Paul and and his brother, I feel like yeah. their presence really made boxing relevant again. Yeah, I'm not saying it was irrelevant. I'm just saying that you know between him and Mayweather. It just made me want to, yeah. like, I've never seen boxing in my life. Yeah. And I flew to Miami to watch that that fight 
I was mm-hmm. in the second row. Yeah. Like, that was so cool to see. I've never seen a professional fight before. Yeah. Or I, I don't know if it's a professional fight, but... I, I remember... Uh, exhibition. I, yeah, I had an argument with a, a friend who we always argue about everything, but I was telling <laughs> him, this is in uh, probably about 2017, and I said, uh, there's this Logan Paul, Jake Paul kid, and I was like, you wait. They're going to be two of the biggest celebrities in the world. Like, they're going to be, like, maybe, like, under, like, a Kardashian, you know, mm-hmm. level. Uh, but they're going to be massive, and obviously they just became so big, man. Mm-hmm. Like way bigger than than their YouTube channels or anything yes. like that. It's incredible. They just kept taking. And so there's one of my favorite videos on YouTube. Uh, I'll have to show. It's such a random video. It's a video of uh, this guy got in Floyd Mayweather's car after Floyd Mayweather fought Canelo in like 2014, mm-hmm. and they're just driving, and he drives to McDonald's. This is right after he made I don't know 50 million dollars or whatever in that fight. And he's just talking and they're just listening to music and whatnot. And then they go to McDonald's, which is in Southern Highlands. <laughs> and he's waiting at the gas pumps. And it's just Floyd Mayweather, no, none of his yeah. bodyguards, and this guy filming him. And he's waiting there and he's like, can't go anywhere because there's some people spotted him or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then he goes up and he's like, yeah, let me get four uh, sausage egg McMuffins, <laughs> but with no sausage. And it's just so funny that he's like, he just made $50 million. And here he is at like 3 a.m. going to McDonald's and ordering sausage egg McMuffins with no bodyguards or anything. Yeah, but but the McDonald's is good at 3 a.m. though. It is. You tell me another meal at 3 a.m. that's better than that. It's delicious. You know what's interesting? All the Mm -hmm. like influencers that I've met that that even people like, you know, Logan Paul, who sometimes may not have a good rep, Mm -hmm. but meeting them in person and getting to know them, it's such a completely different vibe from who they are versus who they are online yeah. or perceived to be mm-hmm. because everything they do, like they are genius marketers and everything yep. they do is completely intentional and thought through. And it is not like this, like the media makes it seem like, yeah. oh, it's just like this dumb kid. Yeah. Like, no, no. These are some yeah. of the smartest the people fact you'll that ever being meet. talked about means yeah. they're doing something right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I know even with Mayweather's like bodyguards and whatnot, I'm pretty sure he just does that for like a like kind of positioning. Yeah. For instance, I saw him one time at Caesar's Palace at Forum Shops. I would have never had any clue Floyd Mayweather was right there, but I saw all these massive bodyguards that are like taller than me, but like, dude, like 300 pounds. And I'm like, what the heck's going on? Like, these guys are massive. And then all of a sudden I see little Floyd there. He's like, you know. <laughs> like he, my height. He's, he's like 140 pounds or whatever he was, or, you know. And he's like in the mix. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And then there's like this group of girls behind him. And I'm like, oh gosh. But I would have had no clue that was Floyd Mayweather that walked by me if it wasn't for all those big bodyguards. But yeah. Yeah. He was on his way to McDonald's. No, his Cheesecake Factory. Oh. He went to the Cheesecake really? Factory. Dude, the watch upgraded. collection he has is nuts. Yeah. Mayweather. Speaking yeah. of watches, Graham, you bought. But, uh, can we say did you what kind of watch you bought? It was this was a while ago, but I don't know if you've ever announced it. I did. Uh, oh, did the okay. After Hours channel, the Patek Philippe. Can I five one nine six P? I'll ask after, but I actually yeah. want to. See. I've never seen it. Oh. Yeah, I've worn it twice. Oh, yeah. How much the the crazy thing. So I bought it for thirty three, and I, I always look thirty three thousand. By the way, not thirty three hundred. Yeah, thirty three thousand. <laughs> uh, but I always keep track of the prices. Now they're selling about thirty nine to forty one. Wow. Yeah, so that watch went up in value a decent, like, basically the S&P 500 year over year. Yeah, so I want to get your guys' opinion for a watch that I've been looking at. Okay. Um, What about the FP Journe Blue? I don't know. I I don't know much about that brand. That's the one uh, Kevin O'Leary talks about Mm. all the time. Mm. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm I'm horrible with watches. Yeah, I don't know much about. (laughs) I don't know much about that, unfortunately. So I can comment on that. But you have Rolexes. You have one. One Rolex, yeah. Which one do you have? The Datejust Blue Dial. Wow, okay. Yeah. How much? Oh, you got it for 
Yeah, there was a gift. Wow. That was a gift uh, from Grant Navarre. So huge oh, thank you to Grant. Grant gave it to yeah, you. it was cool. Grant Navarre who gave that to me uh, when I hit two million subscribers. As literally just like as as a gift, he uh, did some some pretty big real estate deals, and some of that was like through the videos of learning real estate and whatnot, watching the channel. And so when he did these deals, he was like, I just want to celebrate 2 million subscribers. So he got me this watch and engraved it on the back. It says 2 million subscribers. Wow. And even that watch has doubled in value. And That's he, nice. And now he has, he's a big Rolex guy. So yeah. he has quite a few Rolexes. He has good relationships um, with with dealers and you know, 80s, secondhand and everything. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But even that watch has doubled. Wow. And talking to him, because he's really educated about Rolex, he sold some of his watches and said that now he would have been better off just having held on to them longer because they're even more valuable. Like the Rolex Daytona right now was a watch that would MSRP about $12,000. Mm -hmm. Now they're $40,000. But Grant, why don't you sell your Patek now that it's appreciated? Uh, every watch I get is it's in some way sentimental. Okay. So uh, to me, it's just like, I don't know. I, why sell it? What, what else am I going to like? I, I like the watch. Watches to me are very similar to real estate where I really want to buy them with the intention of keeping forever. Sell your house, Andre. <laughs> <laughs> but not the watch. But not the watch. Not the $40,000 watch. Oh, here's the thing. If I, well, see, here's because uh, I, 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 yeah. <laughs> I bought the watch. I bought the watch from uh, Federico. It's Federico Talks Watches. And, um, oh, it's a YouTuber. Yeah. His yeah. name is Federico. You gotta put the yeah. roll on the R, like, baby. But some of it is like, if I'm buying the watch, I'm not gonna go and be that guy who resells it. Right. You know, obviously, if, if someone was like, "Here's a hundred grand," I'd be, I'd call him and be like, "Hey, man, yeah, this cool." Uh, I, I would never want to ruin a relationship for selling a watch. Right. So, so for normal people actually watching this, alternative assets are kind of an interesting asset class. Do you mm -hmm. guys, do you guys do anything? I know you do cars, you do watches. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jeremy, I know you bought the Pokemon yeah, box. and I might buy more in the future. Yeah, yeah. so I didn't know this. Well, uh, I should have known. I forgot. But I walked into Jeremy's house, and at the top shelf, he has a base set booster box of Pokemon cards, which yeah. is one of the holy grails of Pokemon. I was like, yeah. wow, dude, you've got that. That's cool. <laughs> so you do a little bit of a, a little something-something on the side with alternative assets? Yeah, and I might buy more because they've, they've gone down okay. recently. I might do you have have anything buy else? the dip. Do you have anything uh, else? That's... No, I just have... Four silver play buttons, Graham Stefan. What you know about four silver play buttons? <laughs> I think I have four too. Oh my gosh! Yeah. You probably Don't have I? five. Dang it! Don't five. I? Graham Stefan, Graham Stefan Show, Iced Coffee Hour, Millennial Money. Oh crap! And you, I think you got another channel you're probably forgetting about. No, with the Graham Stefan After the Hours, but that's uh, sixty-five thousand oh. subscribers. <sighs> Okay, we're tied for now. Yeah, Dang it! I gotta got start four. a fifth channel. Yeah. I've only got two. I'm way behind you guys. <laughs> yeah, but you have gold. That's I do have matters. the gold. That's you have true. Gold. You're on your way to diamond, baby. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just going to be a long yeah. grind. Huh. Give, give me ten years. <laughs> hey, what happened yeah. to the finance space, guys? I'm depressed. I think. I think. I don't know what happened to us, man. The finance space. We lost some momentum. It's uh, YouTube. I don't know what happened. Uh, is it because people aren't making money? Like I've just been looking at the finance space and i just feel like we've got no momentum right now i feel like um i feel like i'm trying to find like exciting creators on the come up and i it's hard for me to say like oh that's the next andre or that's like the next meet kevin or me or you guys and i'm just like dang man it seems like we're just in a, a rut on youtube i don't know maybe you i, I have a very negative perception of what's going on you have right a negative now. perception okay. on it yeah 
I just think other things are taking the the, the forefront. I mean, obviously everything between Finance Russia, is cyclical Ukraine yeah. is taking mm. a lot of it. Um, I think some news topics are doing really well. Okay, in terms of like gas prices and stuff like that. But day to day, it's not that much different. And so having experienced twenty twenty. Yeah. which is like crazy stuff happening every day, like anomalies were happening <laughs> yeah, yeah. on like a weekly basis that had to be talked about. Uh, stimulus checks, like everyone was hanging on to the idea of $2,000 yeah. like a week or something like that. Yeah. Um, 2021 came around, there was a trail off from that, but then we had like some crazy crypto mm -hmm. rides in the very beginning. AMC, stocks, Dogecoin. Yeah, AMC, GameStop, yep. uh, then stocks rallied and you have of uh, still a lot of people staying at home. So yeah. I think just that momentum really carried through for 2021. Now that the market's somewhat flat year over year, I think it's people are like, eh, you know, I don't want to say bored with it, but yeah. like when you're in that middle phase, it's not that exciting. That's true. Yeah, you're you're not losing a bunch of money or or necessarily making a bunch of money. And yeah, it's been a while since anybody's made any money uh from true. crypto true it's been a while since anybody made any money from uh stocks and i mean if you look at most of the retail stocks right the ones that you know retail bought um a lot of those are down you know between 50 and 90 percent we need a good yolo story so. like he yoloed you know his yeah. life savings yeah. into this stock i don't know i i remember telling jeremy i'm like dude we could enter a time where like for the next five years it's going to be pretty up and down flat mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i remember you saying no 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 I th I'd listen, I wouldn't be surprised if five years from now, we've just gone up and down 20%. Up 20, down 20. Yeah. Up 20, yeah. down 20. No, my, my point, was, be, my point yeah. was, you know, first off, probably unlikely, but my other point is, if you have that sort of scenario, there will be a lot of stocks that still outperform and do amazing during that time period. Right. If you're in the right sort of companies, you don't need necessarily stock market to go up it's every It's like finding year. a needle in a haystack, though, uh, yeah, I feel I like know. at that point. Uh, I wouldn't hard. call it that. I would call it, you know, uh, I'd call it more difficult, certainly. Yeah. I mean, if, if the whole market goes up 20% a year, yeah. your life just got a lot easier as a stock picker. It's like finding right? a penny in a football field. Yeah. More like that. <laughs> more like, more, more like doable. That. Yeah, more doable. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, goodness. Well, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But what I do know is, you know, obviously over time, everything's incentivized well, to go up. Some of the so. top private equity people are saying that in the next, uh, until like 2035, I saw a study uh, that will stay probably under 5% until 2035. 5% what? Interest rates? No. Or what? ROI. Uh, your ROI, yeah. Oh, okay. For the stock market. <sighs> but they've been yeah. saying that for a while. They have. So I've looked yeah. back. I, I love doing what I, my, one of my favorite things is you go on Google and then you sort by time mm -hmm. and you could look up almost anything you want to like recession and then look that up 2004 to 2006. You could see all the articles posted yeah. back then. And I've done that for the lost decade. Mm -hmm. And ever since the 2001.com bubble, if you go back, Google 2002, lost decade. You'll see it like, oh, this is going to be the lost decade. This every year they say the lost decade. Right, that's yeah. true. So it's in. It's interesting but, how everyone but, calls it every year. But this time it's different. But this time it's different. <laughs> yeah, this time it's different. It's true though. As far as if you pay attention to interest rates, and we talked yeah. about this lots of times before. With yes, like, but but the same was said in 2018 when interest rates were going up, and they said this is the lost decade. 2019. No, 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 no. I'm talking about when rates. when rates were zero. That like we are at now. Well, now I guess now mm. we're coming up. But I'm just saying. When rates are zero, that's when people like Warren Buffett come out and say, hey, just the next decade, expect there to be not much of a performance in the stock market because we can't stimulate it with rates, guys. We're already at zero. Yeah, until the rates go back down. 
You have to be really yeah. pessimistic, I feel, to to think, you know, the stock market won't do well over a five-year span, in my opinion. Well, like, really pessimistic. Do you think the stock market, or like, what do you think would happen if tomorrow Jerome Powell was like, hey, you know what, I'm increasing rates to 5% now. Yeah, that would hurt. Would, what do you think would hurt? <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, I think market down 10% that day. It would be vicious. Yeah. It would be, uh, what they call it, the, the limits would be hit, you know, yeah, and they'd yeah, be yeah. like, oh, we'll close the, the market for the next uh, 30 Circuits minutes. breakers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, we, we flipped another one, closing it down. But uh, yeah, that would be vicious. Make but, for a good video, though. Yeah, views that day. <laughs> if we want to if we want to get the momentum back going in the finance community, just to have the market go down 10% a day. Oh, uh, man. But, uh, but yeah. I'm saying, do you think the economy could support that kind of move without going into a recession? Boy, that that's such a deep. Subject. But the thing is, oh, it's gosh. it's the sentiment. Yeah, and it's like yeah. that's what it really. It's it's demoralizing for a lot of people. Oh no! Uh, now a savings account is is paying six percent interest. Yeah, the economy could go down. I better save the money instead. Yeah, yeah. Better not invest. That's probably the bigger risk. Yeah, the long short long term. Yeah. The only thing I ever worry about is uh, people not having kids. I worry about that. Uh, That's the Elon Musk worry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, the good. The I will say the one advantage we have in the United States of America is people always want to come to the United States of America to live. Right. Um, it was interesting. I was looking up the like where I think it was Arizona. When I was in Arizona, I was looking up like where most people are moving from mm. to Arizona, and I think like it was like the fifth, the fifth one. Obviously, California was number one. The fifth one was Asia, which just blew my mind because you would think it'd be some other state, right? And it's like Asia in general, like to Arizona, that's interesting. But that's the one thing I will say is good is there's this massive, you know, 8 billion population or whatever. And we can always just keep having folks move to the United States. But I do worry about like if if people decide they're not going to have kids or they're only going to have one kid or something like that. That's just at the end of the day, you run the numbers. There's less people to buy iPhones. Yeah. It's less people to buy. So diapers. you want people to have kids so your stocks do better, Jeremy. Yes, hundred percent. And okay. so the economy's strong. Yeah, because uh, I mean, imagine, imagine you're in a scenario where, uh, let's just say, no one had any kid. Oh, that'd be unrealistic because then uh, society would end, right? Yeah. The world would end. Uh, but if if everybody decided not to have kids, the economy shrinks. That's just the way it's going to work. Mm. And you look at one of the reasons Japan had, uh, you know, a horrible market for, you know. Uh, probably a decade, two decades or whatever. And that's a, that's a time period people like to look back at. One of the big reasons was, uh, you know, look at their population. Look at their population and look at their stock market. Right. If anything, I feel like the time period that we're living through right now with the Ukraine and Russia war, it just makes me realize how lucky we all are to be living in a country that we can actually put our money somewhere for it to grow. Yeah. So I feel like if you're living in Ukraine right now, like that's the least of your worries. You just want to make yeah. sure you survive. But even if that was not a worry, um, I just feel like we're so fortunate being a world reserve currency yeah. where, you know, countries all around the world need and want our dollars. So we're like when we print money, that excess money is absorbed by other countries needs yeah. to, to trade and buy oil and commodities. And that's why when we inflate our supply, our, our, our asset prices go up. Mm -hmm. because it's absorbed by those assets, right? That, that excess money is like a, uh, the, the assets are like a sponge that absorb this excess money. Mm. Whereas in other countries, that's not the case. Yeah. And I imagine people that are young people, especially like living right now in Ukraine, like how much their lives have just changed in the last like few weeks. Yeah. 
like not just financially but like otherwise oh, so yeah horrible i don't know when you think about like being lucky and just being appreciative where we're at yeah i think it's so cool it, it's to just a hundred percent and i think that's just another reason why i think a lot of people from around the world like to move here over time yeah you know because yeah. they just look at it and they're like oh shoot you know yeah they got the big sticks over there yeah so, and that's the only thing that really gives uh, there's two things that really give the united states a lot of power one is <laughs> the dollar yeah and two is we got the biggest sticks, and uh, that's always a good thing to have. So, and yeah. as much as we, I hate all the military spending. We spend so much on military, and if you look at the budgets, and you know, it's a debate I have with people all the time. And and it's like, oh my gosh, do we really need to spend this much on military? Like seriously? Yeah. But at the end of the day, uh, that's why you enjoy the life that you do. Exactly, and that's the toughest part of that. It's like it's it's annoying, but it's like I wish we didn't have to be like that. Right. I wish we didn't well, need don't all worry, stuff. we soon won't have to. No, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't know how soon, but to Ray Dalio's point, it's so fascinating that what makes a country so successful that eventually leads it to come to the top is literally baked into the ingredients for its failure. Because yeah. the stronger the currency and the country is, the less competitive it becomes. Because yeah. if your labor and the people you work, for, uh, the people that are in your country, they want to be paid a lot of money. Like people in the U.S. make a lot of money relative to other countries. Yeah. The stuff we produce, the labor we have here is extremely expensive, yeah. which makes us less competitive. We, we've got it. Yeah. The, the main thing for me that really, if you want confidence in the United States outside of the dollar and outside of our, our big sticks, let's call it that is innovation mm -hmm. and That's if true. you really think about like who are the most game-changing companies in the world right not in the united states in the world nvidia amd tesla apple netflix yeah. apple facebook yeah. google yeah these you know microsoft these companies run the world true and so for that reason we're always in a now if we ever stop producing those sorts of companies then i'm scared right. then i'm really scared but as long as we produce those because those are the companies that end up making you know, 50,000 jobs, 100,000 jobs, 200,000 right. jobs, and helping out the stock market in a massive That's way because their profitability The, the problem, though, is manufacturing point. because yeah. other companies could take this glass and then just find a way to do it better for cheaper. Well, see, that's where innovation comes. Yeah, right. You have to keep it coming out with stuff that no one's done or no one's thinking of. The glass is like, you know, yeah. everybody right. can do Providing that. Providing that framework allows other areas to basically catch up faster. Yeah. So I think the catch up will be a lot quicker. Yeah, it's the blueprint's already there. It's like here's the here's how to build it. One of the other biggest you know advantages we have is our VC system because a lot of these companies aren't profitable. You know, most of the biggest tech companies that have been built, whether you're talking about Uber and Lyft or whether you're talking about Facebooks or whatever, they lost money for a long time. They didn't flip to profitability for five, 10 years. So because we got that VC system in place where we can pump tens of millions, hundreds of millions, or even billions of dollars in the private markets into these companies that are money losers that end up becoming the Goliath companies, that's a huge advantage because most countries, they don't have that. Right. They, they don't have that. It's almost like an unfair advantage. We have a lot of unfair advantages. And, and that's why I think if you're ever pessimistic about the United States of America, the stock market, the real estate market, when you just start really running through this and you really start viewing it through the whole system, you realize how many sick competitive advantages we have. Oh no, yeah, that's true. You no. know, the dollar, the dollar in the military is just the start. Right. And then you start going layer by layer beneath and you realize, oh my gosh, we're really like playing our own little game here. This is true. This is so. true. It'll definitely take some time. If it, Actually, I, I, I thought what Jerome Powell said was really interesting. He said, you could have more than one world reserve currency. We have oh, never existed yeah. in a time where that's been the case. Yeah. But I could see that being the case. Do want to mention this that a new study just found that millennials think more about watering their plants and what they're about to eat for dinner 
than they do about their personal finances. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. That's crazy. Which is bullish for the chef. <laughs> TTCF to the moon, What's baby. What's about dinner? <laughs> yes. BYND. Uh, yeah. Oh, and then, by the way, uh, 50% of millennials had no idea how much is in their bank account, and they trust auto pay to make sure their bills get taken care of. I'm in that oh, second yeah. group of auto pay, but not the first yeah. one. Of they have no, no clue how much is in their account. Oh, I fit yeah. that category. You don't know? You ever, you no, ever do that with doctors, yeah. though? Like, you're like, I don't want to know what's wrong with me. I just don't want to know. I don't want to go to the, to the doctor. not to look at <laughs> it. better not to yeah. look at it. Better not to know. Usually, I'm down to my last couple hundred thousand. I'm <laughs> yeah. always like, I'm yeah, so broke. Said, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm la- so your last, broke. Your last million dollars in cash. And <laughs> yeah. like your it's so depressing. through the roof. Yeah, I don't even want to look at it. I'm like, yeah. why did I spend all this money but on your wife? Welcome to Millennial Money, the most relatable podcast you'll ever watch. Well, you know what? All right. Well, I'm going to go buy a tesla yeah. gas, gas prices are too high oh, that's right that's right yeah, like, gas oh, our gas too price high. is too high yeah. pro tip go buy yeah. a tesla yeah they're actually not that expensive they're like 80 90 grand <laughs> all right <laughs> i'm kidding give us, like an, my give us an outro graham give all us an right. outro thank you guys so much for watching let us know what you think of this format down below in the comments section if you guys enjoy it let us know if you guys and if you uh, don't enjoy it, just keep it to yourself that'd be cool too Ooh. no how about this offer if, if there's something you would want to see that we're not offering you uh just let us know. constructive criticism i think goes a, a long way how about that mm, sure <laughs> Don't read the comments. <laughs> it's, it's, either I, I'm all for Graham and I will criticism. read the comments. I'll read them. Right. I'll read them. Uh, anyway, thank you so much. Uh, also, big thank you to FTX. Again, their link is down below in the description. Andre is going to bury his head in the sand. And we'll, we'll Pretend see you next like week. nothing's wrong. I don't want to check my bank account. <laughs> all right. Bye. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.